Hello, 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 and welcome to yet another episode of Conversations on India. We're back again after a bit of a do, and uh, today we actually have a new guest on the show. Uh, Panda can't make it today, so uh, we'll have Aditya coming on, and uh, Krishna will be there uh, as well. So it will be the three of us. And uh, we're recording this after a couple of weeks, uh, and episodes. A little bit of traveling, uh, and also uh, the UPSC means exam is coming up. So uh, appropriate time needs to be given to the candidates in order so that they can prepare. And uh, Krishna is here. Hi, hi, Krishna. Hello, Shikhar yes. Hello, everyone. Hi, Shikhar. And Adi is here as well. Let me uh, add him. Okay, invite. So Aditya should have received an invite. All right. Uh, so uh, as people are joining us, um, the first topic that we're going to uh, discuss today. Hey, hi, Aditya. Hi. Yes. Hi, Raj. Hello, Aditya. Nice seeing you. Right. So uh, the 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 topic that we're going to talk about first today is uh, the menace of urban flooding in India. So. Um, uh what we're going to do is uh talk about uh, some of the reasons why it happens and uh, what are its impacts and uh, sort of uh, what can be the way forward and then uh, we might also delve into a little bit of a, a side channel uh, which is related to this which is uh, the, uh our, our biggest cities our, our metropolitan cities actually struggling with um uh, you know uh, with uh, uh, these these issues and uh, this is actually a more structural and and the way our governance system is designed it's a three tier government governance system uh, th- that is uh, not able to uh, f- fully come into effect so uh, we will we'll get into that uh, later on but first uh, urban flooding in india so um uh, why we are discussing this is obviously because of the bengaluru floods uh, which have been in uh, news all over the place and bangalore has really become the poster child of india cities uh since it is the uh, tech capital as well as the startup capital of india it is the place where uh, you know a lot of young people sort of congregate and work on new ideas in order to conquer the world in a way uh, but uh, what has happened is uh, that uh, due to of uh, 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 the fault of our infrastructure uh, those people have to go through uh, this flooding scenario and uh, these floods have basically uh, you know uh, caused havoc all, all across the city there are some areas uh, which have not been flooded but mostly uh, the city has been brought to a standstill and uh, you know uh, there are boats operating in the city instead of uh, cars on roads so th- that that tells you uh, the state of the flooding and uh, this is actually not the first time uh, that this has happened uh, there were the 2015 chennai floods uh, which were actually uh, quite major as well and uh, then uh, mumbai floods practically every year in 2020 there were floods in hyderabad of all places Uh, Hyderabad is, uh, you know, known to be a dry place and uh, not much rainfall. Yet, uh, there was flooding there. So, um, I, uh, in Indian cities, uh, go through this flooding, and uh, urban flooding is sort of different from uh, natural flooding or or rural flooding per se, uh, because uh, you know, in a place like Assam, uh, there are uh, natural factors due to which uh, the the place floods. So, whether that is uh, too much rainfall, uh, water coming in, or uh, you know, uh, the natural uh, protections against flood. uh sort of also um getting destroyed and uh, getting washed away and because of that uh, the uh, the flooding occurs or uh, you know when the water comes down from the high mountains it has a very high speed and uh, it it carries a lot of material but when it comes down to the plains uh, it cannot carry as much material so that material tends to get uh, deposited on the ground and that reduces the river bed uh, increasing the area in which uh, you know the water is there so that that causes another flood but none of these factors are actually at play here uh, in urban flooding and this is actually due to unplanned uh, development and uh, you know very haphazard uh, way of uh, development uh, that has happened so uh, so some of the reasons actually i have these uh, written down here so um, uh, the first reason is encroachment on drain- drainage channels so uh, what happens is these cities have very rich real estate and uh, for those drainage channels they are uh, you know playing an important role they are helping the water to sort of recede away from where people live but uh, those get encroached upon and buildings are constructed there so the water cannot flow properly and hence it sort of gets collected so uh, that is uh, one of the reasons and this encroachment is not only happening in drainage areas but also in wetlands in uh, lake areas in uh, you know in in park areas uh, cutting of forests and the development of 
commercial and residential buildings is taking place uh, all of this is because uh, these cities have very uh, lucrative real estate opportunities and they are, th- this is actually something where everyone wins uh, it it it's the uh, private parties who are sort of profiting from that land uh, it, it is the politicians who are also uh, you know earning from uh, passing permits on that land allowing uh, different sort of buildings to come up so uh, it's 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 a game where everyone is participating and uh, sort of winning and that is uh, you know one of the major uh, reasons why our cities are in such a bad state because of all the encroachment that is happening uh then the second reason is of course uh, climate change because of the uh, climate change the uh, climate events or the weather events have become much more drastic and uh, you know uh, the flooding events are much more severe the heat events are much more severe so uh, climate change is uh, yet another issue then uh, there are other uh, sort of issues uh, such as uh, un- uninformed release from uh, dams so uh, what happens is and uh, this actually happened when i was in hampi which is another town in uh, karnataka uh and and it is actually built very close to the tunga bhadra reservoir tunga bhadra is a river in karnataka and uh, what happened is because of too much rain the reservoir sort of got filled up and they had to release the water and uh, what uh, what resulted in that uh, the town of hampi was sort of flooded uh, as a result and we had to leave the town uh, in a hurry uh, because uh, sort of the flood was following us as we were leaving the town so uh, yeah uh, these kind of things happen and uh, again uh, sort of unplanned haphazard development has led to uh areas which should be actually reserved for flooding uh, those even those areas being utilized for residential or commercial purposes so uh, and and then illegal mining activities also but uh, not so much in the urban areas so uh, those were some of the reasons for uh, urban flooding but uh, i would like to uh, you know uh, come to you guys as well uh, any any other thoughts uh, that you might have from everything that i've discussed or uh, there are any other reasons we will go into uh, what the impact and sort of what the way forward is so besides those if there are any thoughts uh, that you have uh, krishna first and then aditya yeah so i would just like to add some value addition points to your points uh, for example in the hyderabad case uh, urban flooding occurred because the amount of rainfall that was supposed to happen across the whole october month that happened within few hours of uh, that day and it was uh, like around 10 times a normal rainfall so that because that is because of that uh, the cities drainage system couldn't cope up and the city flooded also uh, we have witnessed this encroachment issue in kerala floods as well where there was large scale destruction of property and lives and that was also mainly because of occupying the flood plains as well as the miscoordination between the both the states on the idukki dam but apart from these uh, one another main reason that i feel uh, regarding urban floods that is the clogged drainage system of these urban areas because of the plastic waste or even the cement waste that gets uh, poured into the drainage systems all the whole drainage system particularly collapses uh, during any such uh, huge flood or huge rainfall event and that is why all the water comes on the streets rather than going to the drains so improper drainage as well as clogging of the existing drainage system uh, that is one point that i would like to add mm-hmm. and uh, aditya uh, do you have any in the case of urban floods what we need to see is that these cities weren't planned to handle that those large populations in the first place in the case of bangalore uh, that city was never planned to take up the large amount of influx of it uh, professionals that have uh, come into the city in the recent decades and because of that the infrastructure of the city is not able to handle it uh, we can see that uh, there has been unplanned uh, growth of the cities and unplanned uh, infrastructure in the form of metros and other roads the construction has been taking place and there has been digging all over the city and there is no coordination between the sanitation department and these uh, development authorities due to which uh, i think uh, most of the drainages are blocked and those which are not blocked they are not declogged uh before the monsoon starts and even if they are declogged they are not able to take the amount of uh, sewage or amount of wastewater out of the cities as fast as the city is able uh, as fast as it rains or as fast as it fills up so uh, that is an important issue yeah 
Yeah, so I, I think, uh, of course, uh, the input being more than the output is uh, sort of what is causing uh, all, all, all the flooding. And again, uh, your point is completely accurate that uh, because of the boom in the tech sector, there have been a lot of influx of people coming into uh, India cities. And uh, this is what uh, what has caused the haphazard development and uh, all of the encroachment issues. Uh, and uh, basically, the drainage system is not able to handle uh, as many people. Uh, as as reside in Indian cities, and uh, this is not just an issue with Bangalore. Mind you, this is an issue which is going to be faced by almost all the Indian cities because uh, you know by 2030, 40 percent of India's population will be uh, living in urban areas, and India is going through this massive urbanization phase uh, where a lot of people are shifting from rural areas to urban areas. So our urban areas have to be developed in a way where they can accommodate uh, you know uh, this uh, the fastest pace of urbanization that has ever been seen. So. Um, uh, you know, uh, better planning and better execution is needed uh, when when it comes to uh, sort of uh, urban planning. Uh, yeah, Krishna, if you want to add something. Yeah, I just like to uh, mention one more point which I missed. Uh, that in Bangalore there were around 264 lakes in 1960s or 70s, uh, just after independence. But currently it has less than 50 lakes because all those it was called the city of lakes basically. But because of this mm -hmm. rapid development. Uh, most of the lakes have been enclosed and there are also instances of burning lakes in Bangalore, which is unique because uh, they are the like, water-rich ecosystem. So this is a serious issue in Bangalore and the number from 264 to less than 50, that actually uh, sensationalizes the whole danger that it poses. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that is an excellent point that uh, the city of lakes is now running out of lakes and, and lakes are being set on fire. And, uh, you know, I, I have something to add on both of those points. So first, the lakes being set on fire, that is actually because, uh, you know, uh, this was actually the Belandur Lake, uh, which was set on fire and it, ca it caused a national story, uh, sort of in news everywhere and also on social media. And uh, that was because uh, that area sort of has a lot of uh, pubs and, uh, you know, uh, there is like uh, 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 wastewater coming out of all of these uh, commercial uh, uh, restaurants that is going into the lake. And uh, this this wastewater is basically inflammable, and and it, and it can sort of float on top of the uh, lake. So uh, basically, all the whole of the lake, uh, its top becomes inflammable, and then uh, due to some reason, it sort of catches fire, and that is what caused the uh, fire on the lake, uh, which is uh, something that you can only see in India. And uh, then uh, this this brings me to actually my second point, uh, and and this is sort of uh, you know broadening the debate a little bit that um, maybe uh, Indian metropolitan cities are in such a bad uh, state because our municipal system does not actually work. So uh, I'll, I'll give you three examples uh, from uh, you know India's three biggest cities, Delhi, Mumbai, and. Uh, and, and Bangalore. So Bangalore has not had a municipal corporation for more than two years now. And uh, the, the reason is that basically the state government needs to decide when uh, municipal uh, polls are held. And uh, often, uh, you know, uh, state governments come up with reasons to not hold these municipal polls because of a fear that, uh, you know, a, a setback in the municipal polls would mean that uh, their uh, chances in the state polls will get affected. So generally, these municipal polls are held like two or three years before uh, the states uh, go into the pool so that any setback sort of can be um, made up uh, during the time in between. And uh, right now, uh, Bangalore, uh, the whole of Karnataka is going to uh, go to state polls next year. So uh, they, they haven't had uh, municipal uh, corporations for uh, two years now. And then they're not going to have it between now and uh, next year. So uh, that'll be three years without any municipal corporation. And uh, Often, uh, what uh, what the state governments are afraid of is that uh, the municipality will sort of uh, be be the, the polls will be won by the opposition party, and then that will cause friction uh, within the cities. Uh, so uh, now, why friction within the cities? Because cities are the places where politicians uh, can sort of quote unquote earn money, but but it is not actually earning; it is a sort of a grafting of of money. And uh, land is the uh, thing that that sort of earns. Uh, politicians the most amount of money and land is controlled by the municipal corporation so if, if you don't hold the municipal polls there is no municipal corporation and then the state uh, government can basically control uh, the land and uh, that is what happens that is where that is how uh, these ruling parties sort of tend to make most of their money uh, because uh, once you control the land you can give away the permits so th that's when uh, you get encroachment upon lakes because uh, new land is needed to give away permits and that's when you get encroachment upon wetlands and water uh, drainage areas and so on and uh, sort of this haphazard development happens. So 
this actually brings us to a, a, a wider debate around the uh, you know around the setup of our polity uh, which is in such a state that the politicians are themselves incentivized to uh, cause uh, damage to our cities so uh, this is clearly uh, you know not uh, uh, the, the right system at least for india and and we need to sort of uh, figure out a way to to, to solve this because uh, while in in theory the three tiered uh, you know our democratic system where there is a federal government there are state governments and then there are uh, municipal governments and panchayats in the rural areas uh, in, in in theory it sounds great but but in in practicality it it has all these issues so uh, while while the bangalore issue is uh, this is one that i just uh, you know uh, told told you about Mumbai is facing the same issue uh, because all of these uh, politicians uh, which have won the state assembly elections they win it in rural areas and then they uh, sort of come come into the urban uh, metropolitan area where where they can uh, you know uh, which is where all the money is which is where all the action is so uh, that that is where they come and they are not really incentivized to help the people of the city because those are the, not the people who are electing them the people who are electing them are in uh, rural areas away from the city and then in delhi uh, there is uh, this whole new case where delhi had three different municipal corporations and now they are being combined so there is a law that needs to be passed in the parliament and only after they are combined new wards will be delimited and then we'll have elections so uh, delhi is probably not going to see a municipal corporation anytime soon as well so in, in india's biggest cities are without municipal corporations flooding all the time uh, infrastructure issues everywhere uh, but i think all of these issues are connected so uh, i would actually like to hear from you guys the question like i just like to point out one more thing that uh, mm-hmm. on the political issues only uh, that uh, voting rights are given on to the permanent residents and not to temporary residents whereas these cities are mostly filled with uh, interstate migrants who are not actually voters so there are residents but there are no voters and that also somehow disincentivizes the politicians from working for them or it is not such motivating factor so that is also one thing that i would like to point out yeah yeah, yeah uh, definitely and 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 the people who are sort of outsiders uh, in in these cities or or sort of uh, economic migrants the, those people also do not have skin in the game then to uh, you know uh, do good for the city because they they, they just uh, look at it as 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 sort of an economic tool uh, where, where they are here to get employment because the city is not doing anything for you you don't feel like doing anything for the city so this this does not really inspire a a a, a positive system um so uh, yeah uh, that uh, that actually uh, sort of brings us to all of the causes uh, that that have uh, uh, led to uh, you know the state of india's uh, urban cities and uh, particularly this urban flooding incident that we are seeing now uh, let's uh, talk about sort of uh, what is the impact and uh, what is the uh what what is the way forward here so uh, first of all uh, i mean the obvious impact is that uh, there is uh, massive uh, there is massive loss of uh, life and property so uh, you know uh, all, all of these uh, places where uh, people are living uh, they have their homes there uh, and uh, you know uh, because of the water uh, everything is has become unusable and uh, things uh, that are not supposed to get wet are getting wet so Uh, th- that's that's causing loss uh, then uh, there is uh, an ecological impact as well because when there's flooding there is also massive erosion and uh, then the, that leads to loss of plant and animal life so uh, there are ecological impacts uh, to, to this as well then uh, th- th- this can uh, actually cause uh, you know massive damage to human health also uh, because uh, with, with all this water around it is actually a great carrier for uh, diseases and epidemics to to spread around so uh, th- that again is uh, an- another factor and impact and of course uh, there is the psychological impact of uh, one losing their home or uh, you know the the, the place uh, where, where they could ground themselves uh, sort of getting lost so uh, th- there are all these factors uh, which uh, which which uh, sort of uh, uh, impact the whole uh, situation in bangalore right now um then uh, then the next thing is uh, sort of the way forward so uh, here uh, i would like to hear uh, from you guys sort of what we can do to uh, improve the situation having had a look at all of the issues and uh, the, the impact that it causes and uh, aditya uh, maybe we can uh, start with you this time and then yeah uh, looking at the problem it is a very big problem and uh, small uh, steps are not going to solve them we need to look at the big picture here we need to start with planning our cities right uh, we need proper infrastructure planning as uh, can be seen in pm gati shakti uh, master plan there a lot of different projects are 
seem to be uh, coordinated between the ministries so that initial uh, say a road is being constructed and a metro is being constructed the holes are not dug up for these projects at various points of time so these projects need to be coordinated so that uh, there is no uh, another uh, not a different uh, time taken for uh, the projects to take this other thing is we need to plan our sanitation system in a way so that these can handle current loads and the loads of the future uh, decades to come because these cities are going to grow they are going to start growing uh, continuously and uh, we will not be able to keep pace with the growth if we just plan for today we need to start planning our drainage systems uh, with future in mind yeah and uh, uh, krishna do you want to add yeah like uh, that is a very valid point actually aditya that uh, these cities and the drainage system that they have they were planned in 1960s or 70s decades before Uh, the current system and uh, also to reply to the comment that we have received that uh, about the climate change climate change was actually our first point and we also highlighted it in its impact in the hyderabad case uh, where sudden eruption of uh, rainfall occurred uh, like the whole month's budget came in one day only so definitely that is a very uh, important point for urban floods uh, thank you but uh, i have actually two unique points for the Uh, dealing with these uh, urban flooding events uh, first will be a city disaster response force so currently in our disaster response system we have a ndrf state disaster response force and then the district disaster response force so i think we need a dedicated uh, disaster response team for our cities because the importance of cities is such that they contribute around 60% of our country's gdp and they are basically the center of uh, all the development that is taking place and a lot of migration it happens in these cities so they needs to be taken special care of and second uh, that is a very controversial concept of charter cities given by paul romer so what happens in these charter cities is that they are governed on a different uh, set of rules and a different set of governments they are not uh, governed by the rules which govern the state or the national politics and they can even be multinational corporations Uh, for governing process hello yeah am i audible yeah yeah you are yeah sorry i got a call so the concept if uh, we fail in uh, better planning of these cities and in better governance of these cities then uh, the way of charter cities can be the way forward but that is not actually very uh, good for our national sovereignty and for our national integrity and we must avoid that and definitely we need to build our governing capabilities well enough to be able to avert these kind of disasters because these are not very like these are not inevitable uh, like the floods in assam or bihar they can be easily avoided by better planning and better execution so that needs to be done yeah. yeah so uh, actually krishna on your point about charter cities so uh, you know this charter cities is of course a new concept given by uh, paul romer and uh, this sort of deals with uh, different thing but india has already had an implementation of this so uh, for example jamshedpur was the town which was set up to sort of uh, you know uh, 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 look after the needs of the steel plant uh, that was being built there and uh, there have been examples of this where uh, you know uh, ch- charter is especially uh, is is like a mission so uh, a town which is designed around solving a particular mission so uh, th- that is basically the concept and and we have already had uh, you know charter cities in indian form and 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 they, they have sort of done well so so maybe that is a concept that we can explore because uh, that means that you need you can set up a city uh, from scratch and uh, you know that can uh, that can be more conducive to planning as opposed to you know imposing planning on a city that is already sort of well settled and and uh, already people living there so so that is one uh, then uh, the other uh, point uh, uh, on 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 the way forward actually i, I would go back to politics on this and uh, you know uh, talk about decoupling the city governance from uh, the national governance uh, infrastructure or the state government uh, infrastructure so uh, we should almost think of the cities as as, as you know gems uh, in, in 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 our country because uh, as krishna said these contribute to 60% of our economic uh, you know whatever is our economic produce so um, uh, these cities should also have uh, you know separate governance structures uh, which uh, are sort of not interfered with uh, by 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 the state or or or, or by the national 
uh, sort of uh, the, the national government and uh, you know again uh, we have, we already have the uh, concept of uh, separa separation of uh, you know uh, subject uh, but uh, th th this is really uh, taking it one step further uh, because uh, what happens when we sort of uh, you know allow the same structure to rule over both city as well as the uh, in interior parts is that uh, you know uh, the 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 goals become separate and and uh, the the city basically suffers under the uh, goals of the entire state so uh, to deal with this actually uh, you know uh, if, if you look at most of the um, uh, western cities or or even cities in the east uh, they they have uh, basically a, a, a mayor post which which uh, deals with all the municipal issues within the city and uh, generally uh, you know the state capitals or the national capitals are se kept separate from the metro areas so uh, this is actually something that uh, us does very well so uh, of course their uh, financial capital is new york but the national capital is washington dc if you look at the states uh, california the biggest cities are los angeles and san francisco uh, but their capital is sacramento and uh, similarly for uh, new york as well uh, the the city of new york is not the capital of the state uh, albany which is a smaller city north of new york is is, is the capital so uh, similar things can also be done in india which will uh, sort of separate make make the political center uh, uh, you know go away from the metropolitan city and and sort of um, that will cause that the interference to be less and uh, decisions to be more market based instead of uh, you know uh in, in instead of uh, getting misdirected due to politics so uh, yeah uh, i i think uh, that that was all from my side on on this discussion so if there are any closing points from uh, you both uh, we can take those or we can move to krishna's topic i just like to conclude with that we can also look into giving uh, voting rights to our temporary residents or not on mm -hmm. basis of their uh, permanent residents that can also uh, sort of bring market economy in the politics so that would mm -hmm. be a good side yeah uh, definitely agree with that yeah. another thing that i would add uh, want to add is zoning of urban areas uh, like these areas which are continuously inundated by floods these need to be zoned properly so that people buying houses in those areas are aware of the situation and uh, they can be prepared so can the disaster response force be prepared that these areas are the priority ones and uh, they need to be uh, faster and we need uh, they need to be more careful regarding these areas and rescuing people yeah all right now that yeah so so uh, better zoning will definitely uh, you know uh, lead to uh, the residents being more aware and as as aditya mentioned uh, even the response will be much quicker so yeah i i think with that uh, we can uh, conclude uh, this topic on urban uh, flooding and next let's talk about uh, india bangladesh yeah so recently bangladesh prime minister uh, shrimati sheikh hasina she visited uh, indian capital and our prime minister and his counterpart they had a very serious meeting and very significant meeting uh, that led to very good outcomes some starting with uh, the achievements in this meeting and then i'd like to pose some questions to you guys so first uh, about this meeting there were seven agreements uh, signed by the india and bangladesh uh, especially in sectors like railways science and technology space environment and water management but the greatest outcome was the kushiara water treaty and now this is a water treaty that has been signed between india and bangladesh after a span of 26 years uh, last was ganges treaty in 1996 and also in during this meeting uh, there was a meeting of first joint river commission between the two countries that that was held after a span of 12 years now river is a very important topic for india and bangladesh uh, because they both share around 54 common rivers and they have a large land boundary that is uh, interspersed with the rivers also in this meeting uh, both the prime ministers they unveiled a unit of maitri power plant that has been developed uh, in bangladesh and also ntpc unveiled its unit uh, of around 1300 megawatt uh, in rampal site of bangladesh there was also announcement of friendship pipeline from the assam's nuwaligar refinery to parvatipur in uh, bangladesh and a defense line of credit of 500 million dollars was also given to the country now first i would like to men, uh, know from you guys that what is the importance of bangladesh for india like why bangladesh is so important for us 
um so uh, i i will um, just uh, make the obvious points first and then i'll leave it to aditya to find the more difficult points so uh, bangladesh is the country with india with which india shares the longest land border uh, which is uh, you know a, a, a trick question uh, i will not for you guys but for newbies to upsc preparation this is one of the trick questions so in india bangladesh is of course the longest border and also it, it is you know one of the few indian borders which is also populated so uh, you know cordial relations with bangladesh are very important because it's it's it's, it's not easy to guard that border you you better have uh, you know cordial relations with, uh, with, with with a country like bangladesh uh, then uh, you know it's it, it's a country which is uh, right there uh, you know on, on on the bay of bengal uh, very very close to india so uh, and and it, uh, obviously all the relations Uh, all the international relations uh, within south asia are governed by this india china dynamic so uh, it it's really a balancing game so if if, if we push bangladesh sort of too far uh, the, uh, the the chinese will step in and and sort of uh, we we don't really want bangladesh and china to get too cozy because then uh, that that causes all kinds of strategic issues for india uh, so so that's to uh, the, the the third one is that india and bangladesh of course share a long uh, uh, you know history and uh, sort of a cultural Uh, similarity as well. Uh, they, they they speak Bengali uh, uh, as the language, and of course, uh, you know uh, the culture is the same. Uh, before 1970, uh, before 1947, they are the same country, and uh, so obviously, uh, you know, almost everything is the same. And uh, then, uh, good relations with Bangladesh. It, it is sort of a growing uh, country, uh, which is uh, you know another developing economy. Uh, some of the challenges that it faces are the same. Uh, as 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 the challenges of india and uh, you know we are both sort of trying to break out of the low income uh, into into the middle income so uh, challenges like development of infrastructure and uh, you know a uh, development of uh, power units uh, are, are sort of the key issues so here uh, if we can collaborate uh, it will make life easier for both so uh, those are some of the points that uh, come to my mind Another thing which comes to my mind is that uh, Bangladesh uh, currently has the Sheikh Hasina government, and uh, she has been uh, uh, particularly successful in keeping down the amount of uh, radical uh, organizations. And uh, there has been a recently rise in the right wing forces, and Bangladesh is not immune to that. So Bangladesh, being in such close proximity of us, and having Uh, such close relations with respect to the land borders and such uh, if there is an increase in uh, radical uh, mobs in bangladesh it is bound to affect the national security of india so that comes to my mind uh, apart from that uh, bangladesh as you said is a growing economy and recently it surpassed india in terms of uh, the per capita income so having close relations uh, with bangladesh on economic fronts with no other neighbor of that sort and which has friendly relations with india is uh, quite necessary with, for us in terms of uh, both cooperation and in both terms of finding a market to uh, to sell our products yeah so on on the market actually uh, bangladesh is a pretty big trade partner for india as well so uh, i think uh, it it will be easily in the top 10 and uh, you know Uh, so and and a growing trade between the two countries uh, but like it 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 is going to be uh, one of the markets for for indian products and also uh, we can buy uh, some of the bangladeshi products as well so so uh, there is great potential for trade between the two countries yeah uh, like very nice points mentioned by both vyas and aditya about the radicalization and trade partner so i'd like to mention that bangladesh is the largest trading partner of india in the south asia and we have also got received comments from avina avanish that uh, textile will be impacted definitely uh, bangladesh is one of the leading textiles exporter in the world uh, some points that i would like to uh, add on uh, first will be the development of northeast actually in that bangladesh can play a very important role and bangladesh and india can both sort of work together in countering chinese hegemony in the bay of bengal so there also they need uh, cooperation and bangladesh can also be the gateway to the asian and the far east uh, side uh, so india needs bangladesh's support for that as well uh, also that uh, in south asia apart from bhutan bangladesh is the only political stable country in the last decade so india needs to partner with the only stable country in the south asia otherwise yeah. there is no one else 
So yeah, these are some very important facts about uh, why Bangladesh is important for us. Now, I'd like to just uh, highlight about some the, some of the challenges that are in India-Bangladesh relationship. First is the challenge of China because Bangladesh is a part of Belt and Road Initiative and uh, China is also the largest trading partner of Bangladesh and its trade with China is around 10 times that it trades with India. So definitely uh, Chinese dominance in Bangladesh's economy and uh, the whole nation that needs to be countered. Uh, second will be the Rohingya refugees or the Bangladeshi immigrants to India. Uh, that also has faced some issue in the past uh, when Bangladesh alone had to settle the Rohingya refugees on their island. India had some humanitarian aid later on, uh, but both can de definitely do better. And also climate change. So Bangladesh will be impacted by climate change and that too very adversely. And it needs India's support. And if India fails to support Bangladesh on climate change and uh, rehabilitation, then definitely it will be a huge Im impact in the whole South Asian stability. So yeah, uh, can you guys also uh, highlight some of the challenges that India-Bangladesh relationship faces? Yeah, uh, so I, I think uh, one of the biggest sticking points between India and Bangladesh is actually the Tista uh, River Agreement. And uh, and uh, during her last visit, Sheikh Hasina has actually written a front page article in Times of India. And uh, the headline of which I still remember, the headline was, uh, Friendship is like a flowing river. Uh, and, and obviously the point that she was trying to make is that uh, the India-Bangladesh friendship uh, in, in a large way revolves around the sharing of water between the rivers. And uh, Tista is sort of the river which, which goes into uh, some of Bangladesh's most populated areas and uh, a, a greater sort of uh, a more favorable water treaty uh, on, on, on the Tista front will also help. Uh, Sheikh Hasina's uh, prospects in, in, in the domestic elections as well. But, uh, you know, India has uh, not budged on, on, on the water sharing issue because India, of course, is a water starved country itself. Uh, we cannot really afford to give away more water than we are already giving. And uh, Bangladesh, similarly, is also a, a, a water starved country and also going to become a drowning country as well. So, um, and in fact, I think 80% of Bangladesh's area, if I have my facts right, 80% uh, of Bangladesh's area is going to be uh, below sea level. Uh, not underwater, but below sea level. Those two are different. Uh, below sea level by uh, uh, you know by the year 2030. So uh, you know uh, it, it is going to be one of the worst impacted uh, uh, countries from climate change. So uh, these these two are, are really going to be the main challenges uh, for for India and Bangladesh. And uh, then um, in, India also needs to prevent uh, Bangladesh from sort of uh, developing too close uh, ties with China. Uh, because uh, then uh, it can be used to cause instability in India. Uh, because China is already the largest trading partner and the largest defense supplier for for Bangladesh. So uh, the, the relationship is very cozy. India is also, like India's uh, largest trading partner is also China. So uh, because China is so good at trade, uh, you know uh, that that does not matter. But again, uh, you know, uh, in, in India needs to sort of uh, prevent uh, Bangladesh and China from getting too cozy. So uh, these are some of the sticking points uh, that, that will be there in our relation. Yeah. If, if I could just add one more, uh, like apart from being a, uh, being a market and a, co and a friend and we need to cooperate with Bangladesh, another sticking point is that uh, Bangladesh is also one of our competitors. Uh, in the textile market where India India wants to increase its manufacturing sector and to do that, India needs to increase, increase its manufacturing and textiles as well. So here, Bangladesh not just uh, comes over as a partner, it is also a competitor. And uh, to balance uh, in that sphere, in the economic sphere as well, will be very important for us. Yeah, yeah that's a very fair point, actually. and. Uh, I would also like to highlight now on moving towards the way forward for India-Bangladesh relationship. So first point that comes to my mind is that Bangladesh will be transitioning from least developed country status to a developing country status. And it will lose its trade privileges that is, it enjoys right now. So a huge step that needs to be taken is cooperation between both the countries on economic front. And uh, there are talks initiated on the comprehensive economic partnership agreement uh, between India and Bangladesh. And similarly, Bangladesh will need India's support in the multilateral forums like 
World Trade Organization and uh, other regional trade partnerships. So definitely, uh, apart from trade, uh, there is another issue that uh, needs to be worked upon is the Citizenship Amendment Act and the anti-Bangladeshi rhetoric that it has. So that needs to be toned down. The law itself is not the problem as much as the rhetoric. Uh, so definitely our uh, political leaders and the whole media, they need to talk about CAA in such a way that it is not uh, uh, impacting or it is not poking to the Bangladesh's emotions. And uh, there have been incidents of terming the illegal immigrants or as termites or words like that. So that needs to be toned down, definitely. Uh, apart from uh, these two, uh, another way forward will be power sector, uh, where Bangladesh needs India's support. Uh, they both, uh, India in joint venture with Russia is developing the Rukpur nuclear power project in Bangladesh. And many such joint ventures need to be developed, uh, especially in terms of uh, thermal power plants, uh, nuclear power plants, and as well as hydroelectric power plants. Uh, apart from these, I think the ongoing trade needs to be doubled or maybe tripled in the coming decade. Uh, because as Bangladesh develops, its demand will increase and India can definitely cater to that. So yeah, these can be some of the way forward uh, that comes in my mind right now. Yep, wow, totally. All right, so um, I, I guess we can uh, close this topic as well. Uh, as we are 40, 41 minutes into the episode and our transition to our last topic. Um, so... Uh, Aditya, do you want to introduce? Uh, yeah, I'll it? make this uh, topic short and sweet because uh, I, I, frankly, I haven't prepared much on this topic. Um, I would like to talk about, uh, yeah, the indigenization of defense in light of uh, the current uh, commissioning of Vikrant, our new aircraft carrier. So Vikrant is an aircraft carrier. Uh, aircraft carrier is basically a ship that moves on water and carries aircrafts, and through it, uh, countries project their military power way outside their geographical boundaries. So India recently commissioned this aircraft carrier and it's a 45,000 ton war machine. Uh, and through it, India has displayed, it is among one of the only few handful of countries, uh, you can count them on fingers of your hand, which have the capability of producing such, uh, such a ship. Basically, defense indigenization is the capability of producing defense equipment such as arms, ammunition, some other heavy machinery such as tanks, planes, so that the country can achieve self-reliance in this sphere to an extent and can also export uh, these uh, machines to other countries, uh, not just because it helps in projecting our soft power, it also helps bring in much valuable foreign exchange. So. India has been taking long strides in uh, in achieving this uh, defense indigenization. Uh, but India is yet to achieve a lot because India is either the largest or the second largest uh, arms importer in the world. And it has been so for the previous many decades. And India also is lagging way behind in these spheres. That was mostly because our private sector was not included in these uh, in the manufacture of defense manufacturing industries. So that is one of the uh, major concerns for our manufacturing sector. Apart from that, we have had a very long history of acquiring defense equipments from countries such as the Soviet Union and now Russia. So we have heavy dependence on that. And seeing in light of the recent Russia-Ukraine war and the sanctions which these uh, countries are facing, uh, as as could have been seen during the uh, Kartsa case, which was unfolding uh, when we tried to acquire S-400 systems in the form of sanctions by the United States of America. This shows us that we are particularly vulnerable when it comes to defense imports. So it is a, ma a major uh, area of concern for India. Uh, if you guys would like to add something to this. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, as, as rightly mentioned, India is uh, one of the largest uh, defense importers. And, uh, you know, alongside Saudi Arabia, I think Saudi Arabia is number one. And, and uh, we are number two in, in terms of the sheer, uh, you know, dollar amount of uh, defense imports. And uh, what, what this actually causes is actually a, a drain of foreign exchange 
uh, for India. So we are already uh, buying fuel and uh, you know uh, defense equipment is, is another uh, you know line item. Uh, which is causing pain of of our nation. So if you can develop like a domestic ability to uh, manufacture uh, uh, weapons, we can also uh, you know then hope to sell them on to other countries. And instead of being a drain, then it can be uh, you know something positive for our foreign exchange. And uh, this is something uh, you know the trend for which hasn't picking up. So defense exports are on the rise. And actually, uh, you know, this current year is 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 our biggest uh, defense export year. uh and uh, i think the figure uh, that i just looked up was uh, 13000 crore rupees uh, worth of defense exports have been done uh, during this year and uh, one of the highlight deals is actually uh, selling brahmos missiles uh, to the philippines uh, in in a 350 million dollar deal and uh, there have been talks um, going on with myanmar as well and even uh, us the mighty us is also buying some defense equipment from india and uh, actually 70% of this defense export comes from the private companies so that is again uh, you know a step change from uh, our philosophy of old where uh, defense equipment uh, manufacture should be controlled by the government alone uh, so uh, i'm happy that we are at least moving away from that and in, in the next few years i hope to see uh, you know the defense exports growing and our import will sort of shrinking uh, when it comes to defense um uh, but yeah uh, um uh, uh, can you uh, like uh, uh, reframe your question or uh, if krishna has something to add maybe uh, you can jump in i would just like to add on the importance of indigenization of defense for india uh, especially in terms of the geo strategic position india is in so india is in a constant threat of war from both the neighbors china and pakistan uh, there have been talks about the pincer strategy in which china incurses in the indian territory and pakistan infiltrates into the indian boundaries so also there is cross border terrorism and arms and drugs smuggling uh, throughout the porous borders of india so india needs actually a huge amount of defense capabilities to just maintain its territorial sovereignty and integrity also uh, these defense industries they have a multiplier effect on the different sectors of economy so it is not that the defense industries will only be producing defense uh, uh, equipments those research and development gets used in manufacturing of other equipments such as medical equipments as well because one of uh, like major medical innovations have occurred during the world wars where defense manufacturing was on the high so definitely they have a multiplier effect and the amount of jobs that they will create that will also be a boon for our indian economy so yeah these three points come in my mind uh, regarding the importance of indigenization of defense so uh, when i was trying to put this topic i wanted to discuss regarding uh, what the, what currently we are going for uh, in defense indigenization what the challenges we are facing currently uh what the progress we have made and uh, what should be our way for a way forward like going ahead into the future uh, india's defense exports will increase india's defense requirements will increase and uh, relating to that uh, i wanted to discuss what should be our strategy uh, as we move forward and actually a lot of questions but <laughs> we need to take you, you, you can one. answer uh, the, the one that yeah. you like the most yeah i i have one. some points on the steps that have been taken by india for indigenization uh, first is the srijan portal uh, so that is actually a very unique portal in which the defense ministry posts uh, the kind of equipments that india imports right now and those equipments are actually served as a blueprint for our private manufacturers so they can see from that portal and they can build their manufacturing capabilities so srijan portal is one and second is the changes in the defense procurement procedure so there has been a new category of buy global make in india so indian company will collaborate with a foreign company uh, their equipments will be manufactured in india so these are some points that uh, i'd like to mention about the steps that india has taken for indigenization yeah Are and uh, sort of uh, just uh, one more thing to add uh, so india is actually in the midst of uh, you know uh, this defense overhaul uh, that that we're doing so uh, you know uh, this actually really began with the changes at the top where uh, you know the governance structure of defense was sort of changed uh, while we have a defense minister who sort of takes care of 
the policy and, and the political angle of, of defense the uh, sort of governance of uh, the armed forces uh, actually transferred to a different post and then of course each of the armed forces have have, have a commanding general uh, there as well so and 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 then uh, we are transitioning from uh, army navy uh, air force uh, division into a theater of commands uh, sort of a, a division uh, so uh, and also uh, there are changes on the personnel side so most of india's defense expenditure comes from, comes uh, from the personnel and uh, we are trying to reduce that in order to increase it on 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 sort of um, equipment and and so on so in indian defense overhaul uh, you know in, in all is uh, under the state of an overhaul and uh, you know an, another overhaul that we need to do is uh, reduce the dependence on 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 these foreign equipment because uh, what happens once you buy a foreign equipment is that uh, you then also need to maintain it Uh, uh, you know, uh, if, if if it sort of uh, uh, you know develops some sort of fault, and uh, for that also you need to buy the equipment uh, from from these foreign countries as well. So uh, you know, uh, the, 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 this is a huge uh, sort of once you commit to buy, uh, you, you are then uh, you know uh, uh, for the entire life cycle of that particular equipment, you are supposed to uh, keep buying equipment. Uh, from uh, from that foreign country so so this is again a, a huge drag uh, and uh, then uh, sort of other uh, things that we are doing to uh, sort out our defense uh, is 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 that we have all of these uh, new uh, defense equipment uh, which is being manufactured by india so ins vikrant is of course the shining example uh, as uh, this is like a huge uh, aircraft carrier but uh, we we have this uh, indigenously developed uh, aircraft called tejas Uh, which uh, you know, I've heard great things about. Uh, the Indian Air Force has already ordered a batch, and uh, you know, more is going to be ordered. All of this is coming from HAL, uh, which is based in Bangalore. Uh, it's 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 like a defense manufacturer. Uh, then uh, there is the Arjun tank, uh, which is uh, you know, uh, one of the modern uh, tanks which India is going to use. Uh, then uh, of course, India has a huge lead in in development of uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles. uh thanks in no small part uh, due to our capabilities in space technology so agni 5 is is uh, you know uh, one uh, missile which has a huge range a very few countries have uh, such range and india actually has a very uh, good position in missile technology because india is also part of the mtcr group which is a missile technology control regime so uh, india can not only uh, develop the latest missiles but can also control uh, where uh, global policy is headed on on the side so i think that is another front that we should double down on and uh, you know uh, there were a couple of other initiatives being taken uh, so uh, uh, all of this is being done in effect to uh, you know uh, cause this change in, in in the indian defense infrastructure because we have basically had the same infrastructure since independence and it it is in uh, great need of rehaul uh, now um, um, and uh, sorry that i had uh, cut you off but uh, no no it's going we have covered most of the things and i would like to mention what are the challenges that we face uh, going forward with the defense modernization so uh, one of the challenges we face is that there is not enough capital in the sector private industries were uh, were discouraged for the longest period of time and uh, even though they are coming into the game recently uh, there is not enough capital other thing is that uh, skilled labor is not available for this because this sector has been ignored completely and it has been in the hands of government companies such as uh, ordnance factory board and uh, hal uh, and drdo the talent pool has shrunk uh, to a large level and we need to introduce courses in our colleges to this effect we need to uh, collaborate with universities of global repute and we need to increase the capacity of our own universities as well so that they produce talents uh, which can uh, both help in the manufacture and go for research and development in these fields apart from that uh, the government policies though have been shifting uh, the foreign direct investment uh, cap was at 49% it has now been increased and there needs to be uh, collaboration and cooperation with uh, foreign countries uh, such as france who from whom we have uh, bought our rafale aircrafts uh, we should be hoping that uh, there is a supply chain which is based inside india and manufacture and assembly of aircrafts take place on our home turf so that in case there is a need uh, we can ramp up the production and we can be ready with uh, these aircrafts in time Uh, apart from that uh, if you guys have any uh, thing to add 
I just have one thing about something that I read that India in its recent uh, defense procurement guidelines, it has uh, reduced the amount of offset uh, that was to be used by the foreign companies when uh, Indian government procures anything from that company. So that can also be a hindrance in uh, development of indigenous capacities because as part of the offset mechanism, uh, these foreign defense companies uh, were to invest in India some portion of the whole procurement amount and that investment in India would have developed capabilities of Indian private sector but that part has been now reduced from the procurement procedure uh, so that will hamper our capacities definitely yeah uh, totally so uh, uh, what do you mean when you say offset uh, can you explain it a little bit yeah so in terms of a defense procurement uh, purchase, when Indian government purchases something from a foreign company, so that, let's say that Rafael is being purchased from uh, the French company, then that French company has to invest a fixed portion, let's say 5% or 10% in the Indian defense sector. So it has to build the capabilities of uh, private defense companies in India in terms of operation or management or some uh, spare parts manufacturing. But that component has now been reduced from the previous uh, figure. I don't remember the exact figure. So that will actually impact the amount of investment uh, in Indian defense sector. Yeah, yeah, uh, that is true as well. So uh, yeah, um, lots of challenges there. Of course, uh, there is a, a gap in infrastructure, uh, which which we need to cover up, and and this actually increases the cost of everything. So uh, you know, if, if 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 your borders don't have good roads, then uh, you, you, you will have to spend more money in maintenance of equipment because equipment will have to then go through all of these areas which cause more uh, you know sort of drag on them so infrastructure is something which, which sort of adds uh, adds on layers of cost to almost everything that you do and not just logistics uh, but also defense in this case then i i, I think another issue uh, with in indian defense was the whole uh, policy uh, arrangement that we had uh, so of course uh, there is a political uh, you know framework uh, from which a certain policy is decided and then uh, there are the armed forces uh, which have uh, you know their own, own understanding of defense and and i think uh, here uh, there was a huge gap in india and uh, some of that is being uh, solved with the creation of the uh, new post so ho hopefully uh, you know uh, that can work out and uh, we can uh, you know uh, sort of do better when it comes to defense policy so yeah uh, those are also a couple of challenges Yeah, so in that offset thing, uh, there is actually the figure of 30% that previously the foreign companies were supposed to invest 30% of that uh, procurement amount in the Indian defense sector. But now it has been completely removed, like that offset mechanism has been completely removed. So now it's zero. Yeah. The, problem, uh, the problem with the offset clause was that uh, due to these offset clause, uh, the foreign companies which uh, say were, were pr uh, producing large platforms like Rafale, they had to invest uh, a very large chunk, as you said, 30% of the amount, total amount of that project into India's defense manufacture. And India's industry uh, not being ready to produce uh, defense equipment at that scale was such a big hindrance that the acquisition of these platforms became a hindrance. And that severely impacted the defense capabilities of our country. So that offset clause was acting like an unnatural barrier in the development of our defense industry and it had to go uh, so though we need to develop our manufacturing capability it uh, i think it cannot come at the cost of our national security so um, yeah we we need to organically grow, grow our manufacturing and research and development so that these companies the small companies uh, such as uh, tata advanced systems and the like uh, now adani and uh, other companies uh, larsen and tubro they all have jumped into the fray these companies are uh, developing their defense capabilities and they are doing so organically to produce uh, to put a unnatural barrier in the form of offset clause uh, was a big uh, was a big mistake and uh, the decision to remove it altogether um, the decision to remove it altogether might not have been correct but uh, keeping it to a very low level would have been
Yeah, and and of course, uh, I I mean it is a business deal. So uh, if you're asking them to invest thirty uh, percent, then even that thirty percent is also part of the money that you're paying them. So uh, yeah. you know, in in removing the offset cost, one of the driving factors could be to reduce the overall cost of the deal. Uh, so yeah. uh, again, uh, you know, uh, the, the insides uh, going going on of these deals is are really secret to yeah. us, and they're not really revealed in in public. But again, uh, the the point that Aditya made was right that. uh you know uh, causing this unnatural uh, influx of money into the sector was was maybe not the right move and this was not the best way to invest capital in, into defense and sort of allowing a much more organic approach uh, uh, sort of innovation to happen on its own uh, in, in in the country uh, is 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 the right approach to go forward so all right i i think with that uh, we have come to the end of one hour so uh, if if there are any closing thoughts on this topic or on anything else that you would like to mention uh, now would be the time uh, to do so if uh, there isn't anything else i think uh, we can go ahead and close today's episode so uh, thank you so much to all of our audience who um, uh, watched us live uh, contributed with their points and also asked us uh, good questions uh, we hope to see more of that uh, going on in the future and uh, uh, if you have not uh, followed us already uh, please go ahead and do that so that uh, you are you know um, are notified whenever we will be come live next and uh, what we are also going to do is uh, cut this uh, big video into smaller chunks uh, so that the insights uh, that were delivered here can be uh, more digestible and more people can consume it and uh, um, uh, you you can also catch us on spotify uh, if if that's your thing so uh, with that i think uh, we'll go ahead and close today's episode thank you so much to aditya who uh, came on uh, with us for the first time and uh, you know our contributor thanks a lot for his... inviting me yeah uh, definitely it was a pleasure and uh, as always uh, thank you to krishna uh, for finding our uh, time in uh, you know in, in these busy days uh, it's only uh, like another week to go uh, before the big exam so all the very best for that and uh, thanks again for showing that thank you vyas for writing and thank you everyone for watching all right awesome so yeah with that uh, episode 72 in the books uh, catch you all next time take care bye 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 vyas Thank you.